Good evening, everybody. This is FPLT just speaking as usual, bringing you daily podcasts this week, analyzing matches over the weekend. In fact, the past two weekends from a football as well as a fantasy football perspective. Now, this particular podcast focuses on the Magpies over two games, one where they lost to a rampant Spurs side and another where they deservedly beat Wolves 1-0, just about. Now, this game is interesting because Newcastle so far have a Jekyll and Hyde personality because after they had their shopping spree in January, they have gone from strength to strength. And what's fascinating to see is that even though, in theory, the players they've bought are, they have been playing in mid-table sides, They've been putting up stats and numbers that have resembled top six quality. So something is definitely happening and something is being done very well. Much of it could be given credit to the return of the Bournemouth boys, Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser. And what's interesting now, what's intriguing now is that the latest iteration of Newcastle in the last two games actually do not involve either one. Ryan Fraser came off injured in the 20-somethings minute against Wolves. So a lot of what we see now is going to be from a broader perspective. So this match against Newcastle, Ryan Fraser still featured. But what's more important here that I need to talk about is the mentality of the Newcastle setup. Because Newcastle's 4-3-3 or their 4-2-3-1, whichever you call it, has a very fascinating setup because on paper, it looks like they are a 4-3-3. Now, this 4-3-3 here has been tweaked various times from the era when Matt Ritchie played at left wing back to the iteration today where we see Matt Target on the left. Once in a while, Mankio plays on the right side, but he's supposed to give way to Kieran Trippier when he's back. But as we saw last game against Wolves, Emil Kraft played. So Eddie Howe has options. And regardless of who you see in defense, what matters is in midfield, what happened is what we saw Joe Willock play in central midfield. He returned alongside John Joe Shelby, but now he has an additional dribbler in the form of Joe Linton, who was, you know, demoted backwards into midfield from center forward. Now, up front, Alan St. Maximum, Chris Wood, and Ryan Fraser formed the front three, although that changed quickly against Wolves, as mentioned earlier. Now, what happened here was that with Newcastle playing the underdog mentality, keyword mentality, what we saw was that Newcastle created a lot of chances based on the dribbling ability of Allen St. Maximan. Now, this is still considered quite obvious, but it is... It's not something we've seen in a long while. The dribbling ability of ASM usually comes to the fore when Newcastle foresee themselves as the underdog of a match. Whereas when they dominate, you actually hardly see ASM feature in the limelight. Um, we will see this later during the Wolves game because Newcastle did kind of dominate the game there. But against Spurs, if you look at the stats at a glance, you will notice that Spurs had a lot of small chances before Newcastle had a couple of responses themselves, but it was only when Cher's free kick went in that Spurs racked up big chance after big chance. Otherwise, 
prior to that opener, Spurs actually barely registered anything. So, now, our focus here is on Newcastle. And what we have to understand here is that Newcastle hardly got anything against Spurs. But the idea of Newcastle is that they are so multifaceted and so flexible that this starting eleven can morph anytime they want. As we mentioned earlier, as an example, the right back has a suitable understudy between Mankio, who is more offensive, and Emil Kraft, who is more conservative. Whereas in midfield, which we will see later, the midfield makeup of Joe Willock, John Joe Shelby, and Joel Linton could potentially give way to something much more. Okay, now having said that, what they produced in this game was largely based off in Alan St. Maximan's dribbling ability. So this came in the form of ASM directly isolating himself against Emerson Royale. Now, this is the thing about ASM's madness in his dribbling. He always sizes himself up against a defender that he can turn. Not beat, but turn. Because he, ASM is a bit curious in the sense that as the, the style of his dribbling requires space. Now, usually... In the Premier League, there are two types of dribblers that is able to beat his man. The first type is the one that uses pace. Pace is their primary weapon. So you square up against a guy, you skin him, and you run straight down the line, and you threaten to run down the line for the rest of the match. But you can choose when you want to cut in, when you want to shoot, when you want to play a wall pass with your teammate. But for ASM, it's different. He sizes up Emerson Royale, and it's almost as if he draws a circle around the, his opponent and he runs around that circle. So he basically runs away from his marker and it is from that acceleration alone he picks his second touch so that he is able to burst around a second man. So that's ASM's dribbling style and that's basically how he creates chaos. He draws defenders in by running away from them laterally. So now we shall move on to the next game against Wolves where Newcastle had a greater impact. Newcastle won Wolves nil. Now, this game was equally intriguing because number one, it happened on a Friday night. So it probably caught a few active managers off guard. But what's more important here is that counterintuitive to what we perceive of Newcastle's attacking threat of Eddie Howe's <clears throat> attacking philosophy, the stats certainly do not match up to what we saw here because in the first half itself, Newcastle barely created anything. In fact, Wolves themselves hardly created anything. And a large part of this came down to Ryan Fraser's injury in the 21st minute. Now, what is equally important to understand was that Wolves themselves were missing a lot of key creative players. So the workman, the workhorse-like Luke Kandel played in midfield alongside Joao Moutinho, uh, Marcel deputized at left-back. So, a lot of the formation hinted towards atypical formation setups and atypical plays, especially due to the early injury. Now, having said that, Newcastle had to adapt. Wolves had to adapt. And it was Newcastle that struck first. Now, how this appeared was that um, first things first, Almiron came on and he was a direct substitute for Ryan Fraser on the right flank. 
Mikhail Amiron, traditionally playing as a number 10, now is on the right flank, and he plays exactly the way he was designed to as a number 10 anyway. So um, Amiron himself would pick up passes from the right flank, sometimes over the top, sometimes he would hug the touchline, and he would receive you know passes along the ground. And his contribution would basically be to dribble past his men and take a shot, but without beating his men. The thing about the difference between Almiron and ASM is that Almiron does not beat his men. He engineers space for a shot, but without beating his men. Kind of like how Riamares does it. Yes. So that is the speciality of Miguel Almiron. And what we can prove this with is the X threats that nowadays being made popular by um, 12 football. So the idea is that ASM, his dribbling is able to create space for others, while Almiron himself, his dribbling ability creates shots for himself. So in terms of FPL implication, fantasy football implications, it's we, we are more tempted to favour Almiron here because ASM's shots after a dribble rarely becomes good quality because ASM, when he draws in two to three players in a row, He's usually off balance, he's forced to take shots on the half volley, he has to snatch early at the shots, and it usually flies high and wide. But with Almiron, he steadies himself, and he's the type of player that cuts sideways and shoots, just like Cristiano Ronaldo, you know. We are very, very familiar with those type of shots. Okay, so moving on from the Almiron introduction, what was... What happened was that they took the half to get going and after the halftime whistle, after they came out, what we noticed was that Almiron worked together with his right central midfielder, Bruno Guimares. Now, Bruno G was an even more interesting prospect because he had been subject to cameo appearances prior to this game. So, yes, he featured here in favour of Joe Willock, who was unavailable, and so this really interesting relationship developed between Bruno, Almiron, and Alan St. Maximan himself. So there's so much play came from the right side that ASM had a shot in the first minute on the left flank. Nothing else happened between the first and the 90th minute. Everything else came from the right side. So really, is it possible? Is it plausible to foresee... Newcastle having most of their play down the right side using Bruno, Almiron, and ASM drifting over? Definitely, yes. Now, this isn't going to be done through balls over the top per se, but they do have a slight rotation system where one guy can play the other in or Almiron can go over the top himself. So there are triggers where Almiron might pull wide and Bruno basically moves forward into the space. And there will be times where Bruno holds his position and he waits for Alan St. Maximan to cross over. And then Almiron uses that as his trigger to make a third man run beyond the defense. So this interchange of play becomes very interesting because it put a lot of pressure on Marcel, who, uh, so yes, Marcel, who started against um, Newcastle. So in conclusion, what we understand here is that Newcastle are adapting due to the various injuries they have. And 
Um, I know that there are rumours of Joe Willock possibly returning to the side, but it's probably worth the risk if you are wildcarding in game week 34 to get Bruno G here. Having said that, Miguel Amiron is also a decent short-term prospect, but it's very difficult to visualise him getting multiple returns because even after the Chris Wood goal, Newcastle's shots came off Bruno Gimares as well as Alan Saint-Maximin. So really, Almiron is more enabler than finisher. Whereas Bruno G, he's probably worth the risk. In fact, it's probably more likely that they would start Shelby, Bruno Gimares and Joe Linton. So, in conclusion, with this overarching philosophy of analysing Newcastle, we have to understand that the right side of midfield is starting to blossom into a very intriguing and relatively lethal partnership, especially when Newcastle take the lead. With two home games coming up against Leicester and Newcastle, it's very likely that we'll see Leicester lose sight of their aerial ability you know, due to Newcastle set pieces. This is where the likes of Dan Byrne and maybe even Chris Wood himself come to the fore. While on the counter, we can probably foresee Bruno Guimaraes taking advantage of some really good 2v2s, 1v1. So until then, we'll see you tomorrow for the analysis of South.